Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. Thank you for listening and welcome. My name is Emily and um, today's blog is inspired by a conversation I overheard in a coffee shop. I feel like that's probably, I should probably like have a category in the blog of, of posts that were inspired by the place that I was sitting. There's a, I think there's a lot of them. Um, so that one of the benefits of writing in cafes is that occasionally inspiration will just happen upon you. And as it was in this case, at the time it just felt annoying. Uh, but th- that's actually where a lot of the blogs come from. Is annoyance or fury. <laughs> Some of them are good too. It's not just fury and anger, mostly. So this particular blog is a kind of theatery. It is about a particular play that many of us have been exposed to, but it seems to have not been just of interest to theater folk. Um, it seems like there's some broader implications um, to it. So you don't actually have to be familiar with the play that I'm referencing here. Uh, the play is called In the Boom Boom Room. It's by David Rabe. Um, I think I tell you everything you need to know about it in the context of the blog. If I don't, I'll explain after. Um, but here it is. It is called Get Out of the Boom Boom Room. I was trying not to listen, but you know how it is with actors. You kind of hear them no matter what. These two seem to be meeting for the first time to work on their assigned scene for their class. A scene from David Rabe's In the Boom Boom Room. Do you know this play? If you're a woman and were in an acting class, you surely encountered it at one point between its premiere in 1973 and today, apparently. It's the story of a dancer who finds work in a seedy nightclub. Acting teachers used to assign it a lot. Apparently they still do. It's kind of a terrible play. Like, really. The thing of it is, even if it was a great play, this was a terrible scene to assign to these two women across from me at the cafe. Not only would neither of them ever be cast in it or anything like it in their lifetimes, but they're pretty much guaranteed to fail at it. I listened to them struggle with the scene. They thought it was them. But I just wanted to scream, Nah, girls, nah, it's not you. It's the mantrification. This is the word I was looking for in my previous post. Newly coined, very useful. It's sexism! These two young women in the cafe were clearly beginning actors. But eventually, these ladies could be great in any number of parts. I'd like to see them play scientists, astronauts, Horse trainers, accountants, courtiers, foot soldiers, etc., etc. But could they play a go-go dancer and her go-go dancing boss? No. Never going to happen. Not even with the best teacher in the world. I think I know what this teacher was thinking. He was thinking, I need to get these girls in touch with their bodies. I need to get them to open up. 
and be able to play sexy. And indeed, for the entirety of my lifetime so far, being able to play a sexy dancer who's also an ingenue, or a seductive dominatrix, or a dominatrix who is also an ingenue with a heart of gold, really is going to get you the most jobs as an actress. If you can play a scientist, but sexy, or a girl next door who takes her glasses off and is suddenly hot, you'll be much more marketable. I was given scenes like this back in my acting class days, and I was also no good in them. Only a handful of people can be good in this sort of thing. We do the others no favors in repeating these same old tired tropes. Many acting teachers think all women have a secret Christy Brinkley within. They just have to teach us to unlock it. They feel this is their duty to help every woman perform a certain kind of sexuality. But becoming Christy Brinkley is more than just shaking out your hair and taking your glasses off. I'm not saying these ladies in the cafe weren't sexy. Put them in the right context, I'm sure they could be sexy AF. But that's where the typical acting teacher's logic is so twisted. One of the sexiest performances in 2018 by a woman was Rachel Weisz shooting pigeons in The Favorite. I can't tell you the number of tweets I saw that declaimed this moment as my sexuality. Sexiness is not hair flipping and playing seductresses and go-go dancers, no matter how much the old creepy dudes who teach acting think it is. Why on earth are people still assigning scenes from this play to young actors? Maybe in the early 70s there was something exciting and interesting about treating a go-go dancer as a human being with problems and relationships. But in 2019, we need more. I won't dwell on the awfulness of this play, except to say that compelling a bunch of young actors to casually say the N-word for no good reason in the middle of it is just insult to injury. Because this play is not the only guilty party in the constant objectification of actresses in training. I never had to work on this particular play myself, but I certainly encountered dozens of others like it. It's no wonder that the casting sites are full of women who list pole dancing as their special skill. If almost every woman in acting training encounters her own boom-boom room, it is no wonder our strength and power are much diminished by the time we reach an age wherein we could seize it. And I know, I know, hashtag not all acting classes. Or at least I hope it's not all acting classes these days, but it's clearly still hashtag many acting classes. Do a video search of In the Boom Boom Room and you will see acting showcase after acting showcase of young women in short skirts talking to each other about the hardships of the go-go dancing life. So the vast majority of female-identifying actors in this country are dealing with trying to play this sort of scene, if not this scene itself. I think that's a problem, and it has an effect that reaches far beyond each individual class. Why, you may ask, why is it a problem? Well, run this thought experiment. Gender switch, this scene. Instead of two young women... It's two fresh-faced young men. 
Let's say it's Timothy Chalamet and Lucas Hedges before they got famous. Is this a good use of their time? Is teaching Chalamet how to flip his hair and pop his ass, to perform an exaggerated sexuality, an effective way to teach acting? It is not. It is a colossal waste of his time. And if he takes it to heart and continues to only perform in this way, it will ruin his talent entirely. Once upon a time, there weren't that many parts for women. We had to take what we could get. What were acting teachers to do if they had classes full of women as they tended to have? You've got In the Boom Boom Room, Crimes of the Heart, and The Children's Hour, if you felt like going classic. But it is 2019. If In the Boom Boom Room is still in your repertoire, it's time to let it and all the other scenes like it go. I know it's easier to just work with the scenes you worked on when you were a student, but when you are training young actors, you aren't just teaching them acting. You're introducing them to the possibilities, to plays they might want to see or be a part of in the future. I also understand that some scenes really allow you to teach certain things in a clearer fashion. There are scenes that allow you to teach objectives and obstacles and business and all sorts of stuff. So tell me, what do you need, acting teachers? I know a lot of playwrights. I'm a playwright myself. What can we write for you to help you break out of the boom-boom rut? We could start a whole thread of non-boom-boom two-women scenes over on New Play Exchange, for example. Yes, too, as I'm sure many non-boom-boom teachers will point out, there are many, many plays that have been written in the last 45 years that do a better job than in the boom-boom room. List them here, if you want. I don't want to see another new actor trying to reconcile how to play these parts. It is time for them to disappear out of the repertoire and out of our lives. There. Do you need to know more about this play? Let me know. Do some light Googling. If you get to the New York Times article about the production of this play at the Public Theater in New York in 1973, uh, you will have a really crazy read. It is the madness that went into making this production is really quite astonishing. You you sort of feel like, I don't know, is that how they used to do it back in the day? No wonder this play is terrible. Um, anyway, if you if you uh, if you feel like some some retro journalism, um, also like, man, Joe Papp is amazing for a lot of reasons. Uh, he was the ultimately the director on this production because he fired the woman who was directing, by the way. But anyway, he's great for so many reasons. But in this article, he comes off like a real creep. Um, anyway, if, so if you feel like reading some more about this play, that that is a funny place to start. Um, also, the first, I want to say, 20 pages or something are available, uh, like a Google Play sample is available. If you feel like you you need to see 
um, what I'm talking about. The scene that I'm referencing doesn't happen until later in the play, so you'll have to painfully watch a student production if you want to see that online. And mm. um, yeah, but it, it has inspired some interesting conversations with some people. Uh, there are those who love the play. I still can't work out why no one has an explanation, but I would like to know. Um, so, uh, the song I have for you <laughs> is a song that I, I sort of, I thought, oh, well, I knew, I knew exactly what it needed to be, but I couldn't remember it very well. I just remembered the refrain and that it had boom, boom in it. Um, I, I misremembered everything about it, um, until I looked it up and the song is called boom, boom. Let's go back to my room. Um, and it is by uh, an, a guy called Paul Lakakis. Lakakis? I'm not sure of the pronunciation, to be honest. Um, and it is, a, it is not a good song, I'm, I'm going to say. Just, you know, it's not, it's not a work of genius. Um, although there were like six songwriters on it. <laughs> but it, but um, I actually started to like it better when I discovered that it became a kind of a gay anthem, that it was like a big club hit in gay clubs. And there's something that is redeeming about that uh, fact. And it and actually makes the song make more sense. Um, it's like, as, it, as, it's, as I heard it as a young person, it sounded like a man singing this song to a woman trying to get her to come back to his room. And, and the strategies are, are just terrible. Like if you're a man trying to get a woman to come to your room, all of these strategies are terrible. But it's actually maybe not so bad the other way around, uh, and it's also not so bad if the if if both partners are men, is is what I'm thinking. I don't know, um, but yeah, knowing it's an anthem is is a little bit it, it redeems it a little bit. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> I do not know. So before I play that song for you, um, I just need to tell you that the ways to support this podcast are by um, subscribing on your various podcast apps, giving it um, five stars on iTunes apparently is helpful, reviews are nice apparently, and do let me know if you do them because then I can figure out, then I can see, then I can go find them. <laughs> it's not obvious weirdly, how to find these things. Um, so yeah, do that. Oh, and uh, you can support the production of the podcast by becoming my patron on Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. And that's a great place to support me. There's also Kofi, Kofi, K-O-F-I. Uh, I am on there as Emily Rainbow Davis, uh, PayPal, also, if you haven't liked uh, Songs for the Struggling Artist on Facebook, uh, do that. That's a great way to kind of generate um, more uh, support there. Um, and, and I post, when I, when each time there's a new podcast, I post that there. And also the blogs come, come from there, go there, are also there. You know what I'm saying. Um, so do that. Also follow me on Twitter. It's M uh, e uh, what is it? E Rainbow D. 
That's who I am on Twitter. Um, and I think that is all of the things. And so, without further ado, I present to you a very silly song called Boom Boom. Let's go back to my room. Back to my room so we can do it all night And you can make me feel 